Eat Well, Move Well podcast, Season 2, Episode 1. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Download your free audiobook, get a 30-day free trial, and choose from over 150,000 books at audibletrial.com slash eatwellmovewell. Welcome to the Eat Well, Move Well podcast, season two, episode one. Welcome. It's so good to be here again in a new format. Roland, do you want to say a couple of words about how this is going to be different than what we've done before? Yeah, we are um, going to do them a little bit shorter. Like before, we had sort of these epic podcasts, which were like an hour long, and it made it more difficult for us to carve out the time to do it because it not only takes time to record them, but it takes time to do research and the planning and the more things that are in there, the more time it took and the more recording and editing, all those things. And it just added up to where we didn't do them as often as we would like to. Yeah. yeah. We, we also want to get some more people on the podcast that we interview that we have regular relationships with. Um, and those interviews will be shorter. And uh, in the end, we want to make this more about you and how you fit all of this information into a healthy and active life. So it's going to be easier to take a little walk with us if it's a, a little podcast versus if it's like this long, epic journey. Yeah. So it's not going to be exactly 30 minutes, but that's our sort of our target. It's about 30 minutes or so. And yeah. sometimes it'll go a little bit longer, especially if we have an interview with somebody that we love. So yeah. So our biggest update is uh, that we've been working on our latest book, which is around 90% done, and it's, yeah. a, it's a really good feeling. Uh, it's kind of a, a large uh, labor of love of everything that we've been teaching over the last five years. Yeah, I don't know if we've talked about it at all on the podcast, but it is, uh, it's, you know, every week or so you have a short, um, powerful habit to, to look at. And our goal is to make it, is to convince you that it's important to do, but also to, that it's, uh, that you can do it and that we give you simple, actionable steps at the end of the, end of the chapter that, um, that, that make it compelling and, and fun. Yeah. And I love it because so many people that I see in my practice are at a different point in their journey. And so some people need a little bit of help with, minimal footwear and transitioning to, you know, more healthy, healthy footwear, or there's people who need help with their hydration or people who need help with their sleep hygiene. So there's so many entry points into being healthier. Yeah. And this is, this is for everybody. It's not just, um, do you want to get abs or do you need to lose a hundred pounds yeah, so or do you want to lift, you know, super heavy weights or do kettlebells for 10 minutes and hit a personal record? I mean, the things we're talking about will, would help you with these things, but there's an overall um, health no matter where, no matter where it comes from. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we often roll it out and talk about how a lot of the health and fitness industry is dedicated to making the already healthy, the already fit, healthier or fitter. And there's this huge percentage of people who are newly aware, who have never done anything focused about their health. And um, this is the people that we want to talk to. So maybe these are your moms and dads and cousins and um, possibly not you since you're listening to our podcast, but um, even you could benefit 
tremendously from our podcast since every chapter is packed with research and personal stories and well, case it's studies. All, but it's all relative too. So um, we always joke about how, um, you know, if, if we're working, like we, we work, specific, Valina specifically works with um, people who are strength coaches and they train these athletes and they're making awesome people awesomer. But then... At um, at night, there's more personal training going on at the gym and where you're nor- working with normal people, but they're awesome in their own way, and we want to make them awesomer too. And they, um, you know, it's just everyone comes, starts from their own point and um, moves forward, and you just want to, you know, uh, you want to be inspired to uh, and motivated to make yourself a little bit better every day, just like those athletes do. Yeah, and uh, we've had about... 60 or 70 people going through our book one chapter every couple of weeks just to kind of try it out and we're getting fantastic feedback from we call it our health tribe um and um we're really really excited to share it with you when it's out and it's going to be out very soon so you'll hear about it yeah so um this week we actually um we thought we would talk a little bit about the chapter, one of the chapters that we were both, we sort of work on together. Some of them we work on alone and then we just sort of share it and put our own, the other one's spin on it. But this one we sort of had to brainstorm together because it was about uh, cookbooks. Yeah. And not only our, um, it's, I wrote this chapter um, and it's really about how, because I get asked a lot, like what cookbook do I use? What cookbooks do I recommend? And, or can you give me a, what's a healthy cookbook I can, I can get? And I really have to scratch my head and really dig deep sometimes because it's not that there aren't tons and tons of healthy cookbooks out there, but the, I don't always read the healthy cookbooks. I often go to cookbooks that I've had for years or a cookbook that has something like, it might have one recipe in it that, that, um, that hooked me. And I get it, and I learn the cooking techniques and the ingredients and the spices and all the things that complement each other and and use that and then put my own healthy cooking spin. In fact, sometimes I don't even cook anything out of the book. Um, I might cook one recipe, the recipe that I that I bought the book for, and then I just read the cookbook and uh, and then make my own things together. So it's some sort some it's sort of a challenge sometimes to to recommend a healthy cookbook, although I certainly can and I keep track of some of those things. Yeah, when I was working on my cookbooks in Bulgaria, we decided to make them in a format where um, they would be very short. And if we were going to publish a recipe, it would have to be something that people would be very willing to try. Because oftentimes what happens is you get a cookbook and it's either too complicated or the ingredient list is long and hard and you can't picture yourself making it or it takes like seven hours to make it. And um, our criteria was we want just a few ingredients and we want it to be fast and we want it to be easy and we want it to be so visually appealing that you would really want to cook that thing. And so far, so good. It's it's worked for us Um Hopefully you'll see them in English at some point. At this point, you can see them in English if you have an Android phone. We have an app called The Art of Real Food. Mm. And so you can check out 25 of them on there. Yeah. Well, that sounds good. And I know that we are so deep in our current book that we have had no we have no opportunity to, uh, to, to take her Bulgarian cookbooks and convert them and 
translate and all They're that. They're all translated now. But it takes quite a bit of work to make a cookbook look, uh, look beautiful, mm-hmm. even, on, even on a Kindle or something like that. So that's going to come at some point. Sure. So when somebody's eating, I'm just going to ask you directly, when somebody's trying to eat healthier and trying to make better choices for themselves and for their family, what kind of a cookbook would you suggest? Um, Based on, on the recent chapter that you wrote. A slow cooker Mm-hmm. cookbook I think it would be a, a great one because it gives you sort of family freedom like you can do like like what we do is a, oftentimes we will take one big thing like a big like a roast or something like that or a chicken and we will slow cook it on Sunday night and we can use that for you know at least two recipes maybe three recipes uh, throughout the week so by having the meat and some vegetables and maybe some broth all prepared out of that one crock pot experience we have three different uh, three different nights are, are much more open so while you do have to sort of reheat and maybe shred the chicken or chop the roast um, Basically, all you have to do is come home from work those other nights and uh, heat things up and, you know, add a salad or even some frozen vegetables or, or something like that. It's very quick and very easy and, um, and it really tastes good. Crock pots have this ability to really take something that you're, you know, and, and really, really tastes good. We wrote these very simple recipes in our first book. They use crock pot and people are responding back. Oh my God, this is the best carnitas I ever had. And I'm like, really? That's awesome. I'm glad. But it's, you know, I have to say that it's probably the crock pot more than me, the crock pot. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because out of all the recipes that I've written and published and worked on, I rarely go back and cook my own recipes. Like, people will write me like, wow, I made, you know, your um, chicken breast stuffed with mango and thyme, and it was so good. I was like, oh, I wrote that? I forgot I wrote that <laughs> recipe. Um, my The way that my, my brain works is um, I'm, very cr- I'm very creative kind of on the spot, so it's every day for itself. And uh, in the last several years, I've, I've developed this kind of what people I think people call intuitive eating without it sounding, um, you know, very hippie-ish. Intuitive cooking? (laughs) Intuitive cooking. But I I like to cook with fresh ingredients that I've bought the same day. So as I go into the store or leaving home in the morning, uh, we have a, a vertical garden on our patio and I'll just see, oh, wow, the arugula looks really big. I have to pick it today, you know, or it's going to flower any minute. Um, I see that in the morning and I kind of have these arugula ideas working on the back of my mind all day long. So then I might just go through the supermarket. We live right across from Trader Joe's and we were there every day, sometimes several times a day because it's just easy. And I'll go through and be like, wow, look at these caracara oranges. <clears throat> Excuse me. They'll make a great salad with the, with the arugula. And then what goes with that is once you have citrus in your salad, then... It's awesome to do some pork or some chicken. And so it's really easy when you have one dish that has more flavors, you can kind of make everything else simpler. Mm. And I just sort of um, just sort of cook on the spot with whatever seems fresh and exciting at the moment. Or we'll go somewhere. Um, like remember last Sunday, we had these amazing shrimp curry tacos mm-hmm. at Bull Taco in San Clemente. 
if you're ever in Southern California, if you're ever in San Clemente, Bull Taco makes the most fantastic tacos in the world. And these shrimp curry tacos were so good. I've been thinking of shrimp curry all week. So Friday night, I just automatically went to the store, got some shrimp, got some coconut, and um, got home and made some shrimp curry. It was good. Yeah. And so that's kind of how my brain works. Um, and every now and then, um, I read cookbooks the way people read magazines or fiction books. Because I'm my life is so heavy with reading more scientific literature. And so when I need a break, I'll just sit with a cookbook. Mm. And I'll just read it like people read a novel. And I'll just kind of get lost in it. And that's why I like old cookbooks so much. Because they're very different from cookbooks now. Because people had much fewer ingredients in the 19th century or the 17th century and yet they figured out things to do with them that were basic yet amazing yeah so i think well before before anyone thinks we're idiots for not going to the grocery store once a week and getting all of our stuff because we mentioned a lot going to the grocery store trader joe's a couple times like at least once a day um it's a it's like a choice we've made to um because you have to, we, we think walking is so important. So we've chosen, let's just walk to the store because we have to walk anyway. It gives us a reason to walk. It's fun to walk. And because we can, that gives us the ability to eat and go and pick the things that we need for today that's fresh. So you can see what's fresh at the grocery store. What are we craving? Um, or we, or like Kalina said, we can look at the tower garden out on our patio and say, okay, we have arugula. We got a bunch of chives that have to go because they're, you know, we have two things of chives, chives that are huge. We got to cook something with that. What can we cook with chives? Let's go to Trader Joe's and buy the rest of the ingredients and we'll have a frittata. Yeah. At some point, our lemongrass had grown so big, it was blocking our door. (laughs) And you know, when you live in an apartment, you only have so much space. So I was like, okay, we have and that's to. That's our emergency exit. We have to be able to get out. <laughs> and we have to. Um, you know, people imagine now we're living in this bushed out uh, lemongrass patio. It's not that bad. But we had to, you know, do something with it. So um, I picked it and we made some lemongrass lemonade and we made some um, coconut uh, chicken lemongrass soup. So that's kind of how all of it starts. And I feel like. You know, for our ancestors, that was daily. And uh, my parents who are in Bulgaria, they still grow all of their food. My grandparents are still around. And so many times my grandma will just take this plastic bucket and will go down to the garden and just kind of roam around and see what's ripe and fill her bucket and come upstairs and just cook with whatever she picked. Yeah, so we talked a lot about the... um cookbooks from the olden days and how they, things were, they had different ingredients and not the same and they didn't have access to like a million things every day, including huge spice cabinets and stuff. But one of the things, one of the other cookbooks that, that I think that I found useful is those ingredient, the few ingredient cookbooks. Like mm. so I think three is pushing it, but, um, the we, one ingredient cookbook, but there's the six ingredient cookbook. We have a three and a four. We have, but there's a three and a four and a five and a five. I mean, there's like we have and lots of these things, and a lot of times we picked them up um, because you just see how simple things go together, and it's one of the things that that we do at night is we use not that many ingredients. Like well, that's a bad bad sentence, but you know what I'm saying. We 
And any night we have, well, here's our protein source and here's a vegetable that we have. And then, oh, what spice can we add? Well, that could be three, you know, that's, you know, it's, it's very few ingredients. And the way you get to that is naturally through like, what do we have fresh today? Or by looking at old ingredient, old cookbooks that, that do this, or by looking at how simple some of these cookbooks can be. And these cookbooks can be, I'll be honest, some of them are, are bad and some of them are like, oh, we only have three ingredients, but we also have oil and this spice. And then I will now it's like 10 ingredients, but there are some really good cookbooks and you can find them from anywhere from the bargain section of the, at the, at the, at the, the bookstore. We found them in the checkout stand, checkout aisle of like Ross and TJ yeah. Maxx. And, but if you just go on Amazon and take a look, and um, the one, you know, there's plenty of them that, you know, three, four, I would recommend like the four to six ingredient level. Um, and just make sure they got a lot of good reviews and they're not very expensive. And order one and have it show up and then just re- flip through it and see the, the, the possibilities and how easy it can be. Because simple, fresh flavors make good tasting food. What were the the your favorite cookbooks? I know that the cookbook chapter of our book has this section where we recommend our favorite cookbooks. And mm-hmm. I just sent you my portion, but okay. what was... What were yours? Um, one of them was uh, Jamie Oliver's um, 30 Minute Meals. Is that what it's called? 30 Minute Meals. I'll put, we'll put the, the links to these things in the show notes in case anyone wants to check the them out. You have British one. We kind of have to see. Maybe it's different yeah, yeah. in America. I yeah, I don't know. Because there was a lot of this is in the grams and yeah. liters and Americans don't know any of that stuff. But it's and, translated um, into your... Into, into English English? Into English Into, English, into yeah. proper American English? Yeah. And okay, so I had that one, and I like that one because he, it's like you get everything together, and he says, "Here are the tools you need. Here's the the ingredients you need," and then he walks you through step by step how to produce that meal in about thirty minutes. Yeah, it's like parallel cooking. Yeah, and it's not just like here I'm making a pot of soup in thirty minutes. It's like here's a set. There's going to be a salad. There's going to be you know chicken. There's going to be a side dish, and sometimes as a dessert. So it, that's a good one. Um, the other one, I can't remember all the ones. I think I did did three or four. Did the Flavor Bible? The Flavor Bible, I think, is another one. And it's not a cookbook, although there are a few recipes in it. It is a wonderful idea for when you have an ingredient or two and you want to see what goes with it. Like what flavor will complement this because I just don't have, you know, I don't know what to do. And so you can look up, oh, so I have this chicken and I'm bored with all of my chicken recipes. What are the flavors that go with this? And you can look up chicken or chicken breast in the flavor Bible and it'll list all these different things. And this is information that has been compiled by um, chefs that are renowned for really bringing the flavor out of food. So um, the, the, the authors interviewed um dozens of chefs and compile all this information about flavors that complement each other very well. And then also put some really good recipes in there too. Yeah. And it's great for people like me who are sort of creative with their 
they're cooking and they're not really good at following other people's recipes because you can just open under lamb and see all the spices it goes with, all the fruits it goes with, all the vegetables it goes with, all the alcohols it goes with. Yeah, there, yeah, there are plenty of times when we've said, oh, I want to make lamb stew. I got the lamb. And then we go, oh, this recipe, we don't have any of these ingredients. Oh, let's flip open the flavor Bible and see what ingredients do go well and we'll make our own lamb stew. Yeah, and I just found that there's a vegetarian flavor Bible, so I'm looking forward to picking that up and um, making some wonderful vegetarian meals which for Roland are usually just side dishes. <laughs> I love vegetables, though, so yeah. so that's good. Um, what else did I have? I think I had... You had the four-hour chef, I think. Did I put that in mm-hmm. there? I was, I'm afraid if I did. But um, I really like the book, but it's a... it's not Again, there, there are recipes in it. It's a huge book, but it's not very expensive. It's beautiful, but it's basically... It's a series of cooking lessons surrounded by stories. So... It's like a if you're ready to geek out on cooking, then um, then Tim Ferriss's The Four Hour Chef is a really really good book. But and you don't have to read it in one sitting. You can flip through. If you get one thing out of it, we Galena and I learned how to cook steak perfectly out of this book. Yeah, and it also has really it has John Berardi's uh, cauliflower mash in there. I mean, he's got you know people's fantastic ideas in there and you can it's a good fun book and you can learn how to kill and cook your own squirrel yeah comes in handy we haven't tried that yet yeah my recommendations were a little bit more um artsy uh i had my three favorite more artful cookbooks in there um and um i guess you just have to wait for the book to come out to read about them that's not fair um so we were talking about Okay, so we're talking about cooking in general, right? Mm-hmm. And this book is not in, it's not a cookbook, right? But we were talking about the benefits, some of the benefits of benefits of cooking and what cooking has done. And Oh, you're talking about Catching Fire? Yeah. Okay, so something that we want to start doing for you guys is... Um, we know how hard it is to carve out time for reading and how hard it is to carve out time for walking. And so one of our new ideas is to recommend a book that you can listen to um, while walking. And um, it's kind of hard to listen to a cookbook, but there are many, and probably it would be boring too, um, (laughs) but there's many, many books about cooking uh, that kind of put cooking in in a different light and allow you to really appreciate it for what it is. And one of my favorites that is also available as, a, as an Audible book is called Catching Fire. And it's... Um, not, it's not the Hunger Games book. No. It has a similar name. And it's uh, it's written by primatologist Richard, Richard Rangham. And it's probably one of the most exciting books you can ever read by a primatologist. Uh, and it's it's sort of a... I'm just kind of flipping through it here. It's it's kind of like a 200-ish page book um, that just takes us through the story of how cooking happened in human evolution and what cooking did for us to be human and how it had a part in our social structure, in our tribal structure, in our interpersonal relationships. Uh, this is the book where I learned that it was common that a woman was valued for her gathering skills 
to the point where if you were an exceptionally good gatherer, one man could kill another to take his wife because she was a really good gatherer. And that was common. Um, that was common practice at the time. It's, so That's not good. Yeah, I would not be a good gatherer if, you know, <laughs> know. if that was the, the, the case. Um, but it just kind of gives you this really nice travel through time with a lot of points to think about. And I just kind of wanted to, to read a little paragraph to you just to, to kind of spark your interest so that um, hopefully you want to listen to the whole book. Not read by me, by someone professional. So, so here it is, page 152. Non-human primates mostly pick and eat their food at once, but hunter-gatherers bring food to a camp for processing and cooking, and in the camp, labor can be offered and exchanged. This suggests that cooking might be responsible for converting individual foraging into a social economy. Archaeologist Catherine Pearl thinks so. The culinary act is from the start a project. Cooking ends individual self-sufficiency. Relying on cooking creates foods that can be owned, given, or stolen. Before cooking, we ate more like chimpanzees, everyone for themselves. After the advent of cooking, we assembled around the fire and shared the labor. Pearl's notion that by necessity cooking was a social activity is supported by Dutch sociologist and fire expert Jupe Gusblum, who suggests that cooking required social coordination if only to ensure that there would always be someone to look after the fire. So the whole book is kind of like this. It's good. And it's it's just, it reads lovely, it flows. There are so many wonderful quotes out of there that um, I would use. Well, I read the book a couple of years ago. It was really good. And it does a, a great job of um, explaining how, the, from a nutrition standpoint, how we extract more and different nutrients out of out of cooking food sure. so if you think about if you ever get a steak that's people who like medium steak there's people who like um rare steak but rare steak is so, you have to chew it so much it's so you know and same with vegetables like we we get these carrots from trader joe's that are these heirloom carrots and they come in different colors and one of the colors is this purple carrot which is historically how carrots used to be and it's extremely tough mm -hmm. and so we roast these things like it's really hard to eat that one fresh versus the regular orange carrots where you can eat fresh so we've tried um you roast them and it really brings out and makes them pleasurable pleasurable to eat and you're able to extract all that nutrition because you don't have to chew them for like a million times so um so we were talking about every one of the things, in addition to giving you something to read every week, whether it's a podcast or a book, um, or we have some exciting things coming up that are really interesting, giving you something to listen to rather than just to read. Uh, we wanted to give you something that you can do each each uh, podcast, sort of an actionable step, just like we're doing in our book. And because we're talking about cooking this week and cookbooks. What we are going to suggest this week, we would like you to, because um, you've all bought a cookbook, right? Everyone's bought a cookbook, and you get it home, and you flip through it, and then you don't do anything with it. You stick, and eventually, it makes it to the bottom of the pile, and then it's on a shelf, then it's in a box. I want you to dig out one of your old cookbooks that really excited you at one point. It excited you enough to buy it, and 
then start flipping through it. Find maybe some of the recipes that really inspired you and made you want to take that book home and and cook the book. I mean, cook the book. <laughs> Go out, get the ingredients, and cook some of those recipes from that book. So take this uh, this next week or so. Um, go right now, grab out one of those old books, flip through it, and then uh, look at how you can incorporate um, some of those recipes into your week. Yeah, it sounds it sounds really good. And, uh, you know, if you have fallen prey to buying a cookbook bundle, I have several paleo cookbook bundles just sitting on my hard drive <laughs> that I've opened. And there's like 40 cookbooks in there, and I'm just overwhelmed. So I've never even opened one. Uh, so if you have one of those sitting on your hard drive, um, yeah, you know, that is a great opportunity because I've done that too. I'm like, oh, my friend's cookbook is in this bundle. I've looked at his book and it's it's, it's really good, but I haven't always looked at some of the other ones. Now we have but, like a hundred yeah. books in your hard drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's a good idea. Um, and then remember, go out and you can try um, through Audible, Audible, AudibleTrial.com slash Eat Well, Move Well. Um, is a uh, the link you can follow. I'll put a link on there, and then you can search out uh, Catching Fire, How Cooking Made Us Human. It's a really good book, and you get 30 days trial free, and you can download that book for free. Oh, awesome. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes yes. as well. Thank you so much for listening. We did fantastic making this shorter. I am excited. And we that... got like a timer. Yeah. Yeah, 30 minutes, and when you know, 30 minutes is a great... Um, it's okay. a great time. It's a, it's it's manageable to get out there and walk, and yeah. it's manageable for us to sit here and because um, we have to sit still. So you don't want to sit still for too long, right? So we have to sit still. Yeah, we're, we're gonna we're, we're gonna, sitting here on the floor. We joked. What do we joke about? We're gonna call it the floor cast because we're <laughs> we're sort of changing our positions of sitting on the floor, and we're gonna have um, our friend, mentor, teacher Katie Bowman with us uh, in the next sure. podcast, yeah. talking about how you know changing your position uh, while working. Or why even while sitting is a great way to start introducing movement into your more sedentary life. So I look forward to sharing um, the interview with her with you very soon. Yeah. So uh, thank you for joining us. And we will talk to you soon. Go get your uh, cookbook out now. And uh, go on to audibletrial.com. Eat well. Move well. And uh, download uh, Catching Fire. And uh, let us know what you think. Yep, and uh, don't hesitate to share this with your friends. We would love um, some um, more listeners to share this health information with. Yeah, awesome. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs>